This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about Gone Girl. Andy, you uh, excited for this one? Thrilled. Somehow, I, I don't quite believe you. I think it's your chin. Can you just cover it up for me, please? Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Good. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Andy. Hello again. And another Jess. Hello. New to the podcast. Welcome. Uh, You can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. And our music is by Skeleton King. Find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. Jess, I believe you know Skeleton King. Yeah, just just a little bit. Yeah, any any particular particular connection you have with? I think I met him once at the park. <laughs> the park, <laughs> amazing. Gone Girl. It's I might be one of the most recent films we've done on the podcast. I think Andy, maybe the Raid was more recent. And I think the Raid. Um... But I think you're right. Although, actually, I was surprised to see it was 2014. So Yeah. Still it's, quite still, old now. Yeah. Yeah. So are we. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not but not this one. New Jess. So, Jess, like, officially, welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff. Thank you. Yeah. It's really good to have you. It's a bit of, bit of youth. <laughs> nice to have another feminine voice on the podcast as well, I think. I've been, I've been on at you at work to join us for quite a while, haven't I? Well, we've been basically having a lot of informal podcast discussions for many years now, haven't we, about films and books and the yeah. rest, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work is better when Jess is there, that's true. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's worth at least acknowledging that, yes, there's two Jesses on the podcast today, but... I don't think that's ever happened anywhere before, ever. No, exactly, <laughs> especially not at our work. No, 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 not at all. Um, this is untrodden ground. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's not worry about it. People can figure it out. Uh, what, what? I'll be are... the, the Jess with all the funny points. Okay. Almost uh, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. What are our overall impressions of Gone Girl? Like, let's keep it relatively brief, but have we got any kind of overall thoughts? Well, actually, we could, we could spin that a little bit, because as far as I'm aware, this was Jess's choice. Well, I, so I, 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 do, I will press. <laughs> no, I, I do have the point, but I started off choosing this because I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. And then now having watched it several times, I, <laughs> I can't say that view has been sustained. Um, See, this is the podcast that makes you hate films. <laughs> That's what we are. It is worth asking the question, though. Is that because you've seen it so many times and it's just been, it's become annoying now that you're having to watch it. Or is it because you just don't think it's as good as you thought it once was? I think it's slight film fatigue. Okay. And yeah. then also slightly that there were just a few moments where I was just shaking my head at the screen. Just like, <sighs> That's what it does to you, though. You start looking at these things with a slightly academic eye. And, I mean, you know, it's getting more of a joke now. Most of my points are kind of salty takes on why would you do that? Well, that doesn't make any sense because you do kind of look, put it under the microscope a little bit and actually sometimes uh, things uh, don't bear up quite so well as you would no, have hoped. That's a, I, that's a fair point. And I think um, just talking about this film in specifically, um, 
I was actually worried that we weren't going to have any, for example, incidental characters to talk about or um, small stuff because everything in this film is very intentionally there for a reason. There isn't a lot of fat, so to speak, like unnecessary jokes and, and what have you. I mean, I was watching, I, I had the opposite opinion, actually. I kind of loved it the first time I saw it. Then I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's not so good the second or third time. Watching it again just the other day for this, I was thinking, wow, this is this is amazing. This is a master filmmaker doing his thing. I just mm-hmm. think it's, um, yeah, it's precise and moody and, and all the other positive words you yeah, can say I, about our film. I feel this is better than I remember. Uh, I don't like it as much as I remember because it's, super dark but uh yeah i think it's real good and the the ratings again i was really surprised it's really highly rated um i'm not surprised because it's you know bad and it's rated highly but i think it is surprisingly high shall we have you got anything else you want to mention no i think i'll probably end up saying it all later okay have have we all read the book no i have i actually haven't well, which is ridiculous because you've read every book. <laughs> I know. I feel um, almost like I can't believe that I haven't read the book and that you guys have and I won't be able to talk about it. Oh, I but... can't remember any of it. I mean, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a strong memory. There's a few bits in the book that I remember, but I think I'd seen the film first and so it was probably, a, oh yeah, I remember that bit in the film, you know, when I was reading it. And so you have that picture in your head of the mm-hmm. characters in the film rather than... It's, I think it's always better to read the book first. Can I it? ask, is it film, film or book? Which one was better in your opinion? I think that's real. I think probably film, but but maybe only because I saw the film first. Is it also because the film has Rosamund Pike? No. Well, um, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I actually think I prefer the book, but that's based on the fact that I remember thinking that after watching the film, after reading the book. Mm. I, could, I can't put any... I think that happens, it, doesn't it? Like the yeah. thing you you experience first is the thing you kind of have the the mm-hmm. preference for. Shall we move on to the small <clears throat> stuff? Let's. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to start. I want to talk about the opening scene. So there's the scenes in where it's basically showing the town, wake, setting the scene, showing the town almost sort of waking up. And I just wanted a reference, and it's a personal thing, but... I lived in a town in the Midwest. Uh, it wasn't probably as... It was slightly smaller than North Carthage is meant to be. Uh, but all of those scenes are very familiar to me. Like the main street with the little... Like the bars and you know whatever. All the little... And, you know, the the houses with the picket fences. Not that they are necessarily picket fences in this film. But, you know, it's, it sets that scene really well. And it's uh, the, the noises, the cicadas like chirping or whatever cicadas do. So I immediately related quite quite well to this film because of the scene setting right at the beginning. Uh, did you guys have anything you wanted to say about that? And I'm including the bit where um, he goes to the bar and we meet him and Margot for the first time. Yeah, I have a actually one of my favourite small stuff yeah. points. To, it's a contender with a later point, but okay. um, I thought it was fabulous that... So when Nick walks in to his bar, the bar, um, the game that he's given Mar- giving Margot is Mastermind. Mm-hmm. And she says to him, or he says, you know, it's your favourite film when you were younger. And she says, no, it was yours. And yeah. I feel like such kind of brilliant foreshadowing. It's so, it kind of cuts through the character of Nick in that he's about to go through this whole 
apparently just awful experience but it kind of reveals this thing about his character that there's some part of you that actually loves this um and the other yeah. books or games i think i wrote down there uh widowmaker Gelbait, <laughs> emergency what were they the games on yeah, the yeah. shelf yeah, <clears throat> yeah 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 so um that's really good yeah i love that it's great the other one i picked up actually and it was going to be my point on this was ouija oh what, what's that there's literally a board game a parker board game like a Ouija board board game. That sounds fun, mm. folks. Interestingly, yeah. they start then playing Game of Life, which is, again, to uh, keep that metaphor going, yeah. it's quite funny. So Mastermind, I used to love Mastermind because it was very logical. It was a logic game, isn't it, really? But it's you have, you're not necessarily following clues, but you are kind of using logic to kind of figure out a puzzle, essentially, aren't you? And mm. so, yeah, it um, it does foreshadow the film really nicely. Yeah, and it, also it tells us about him. That's the bit I love. That yeah. it's, it's kind of foreshadowing the plot, but in a sense, it just undermines the whole uh, this whole idea that this poor Nick, who's kind of being dragged along by his manipulative wife, and mm. he hates it, and he w- wishes that she was this different person. Because uh, I think a lot of the, you know, as well, go on to say a lot of the film seems to be saying actually, Nick, you love this, and you just got to some part of you loves this. Mm. I think. Actually, we should have perhaps done this from the start. We don't normally do this on the podcast, but we should say spoilers for Gone Girl. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't watched Gone Girl, stop listening to the podcast because there are twists that you don't want to have spoiled. Anyway, Mm. sorry, I should have said that right at the beginning. Uh, But anyway, we're nearly nine minutes in. That's fine. then we get throughout the at least the first half of the film, we get lots of flashbacks uh, and like sections where she's entering stuff into her diary uh, from the past. I just thought of something I did want to say. Yeah. It's just a piffy comment that Margot makes in the bar. Yeah. She says, uh, whoever's taken her is bound to bring her back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I think is a great line. Yeah. Um, yeah, clearly she she's no fan of... Uh, well, she says a little bit later on, doesn't she? Um, I didn't in, was it like I didn't enjoy spending time with her, but it doesn't mean I don't care about her, which mm-hmm. I think is um, you know, Margot. Well, she'll come up later, but yeah, Margot. Um, you wanted to talk about the the sort of the scene in the past, the first one, Jess. Yeah, so it's a. Um, I'm springboarding from that scene, but actually, I could have talked about any number of scenes. Yeah. But that first introduction when she says what is your type and it's the kind of is it a is it b is it mm-hmm. c and it's so interesting because throughout the entire film there's this kind of s- continual conversation around i'm not this type of person i mean i've got some examples um she says what well, it's so many different characters all the phrase of i'm not this kind of girl i'm not this type of person i'm not this type of couple mm-hmm. it's all um, it's never talk of the individual it's always talk of the caricature and kind of categorizing people into different types um and what i thought was so great about that i mean you if you watch the film with that in mind mm. it is there again and again and again you know there's nick says about i'm done pretending yeah just this idea of a role i think a role is the right word Someone that you feel like you're supposed to be or society thinks you should be or someone who you try to be. Yes, they're exactly like characters trying to be this person or characters uh, thinking other people are this certain role. Mm-hmm. You know, she talks, oh, let's never be this type of couple, Nick. Yeah, or yeah. It's again and again. And then right at the end in the interview, 
Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. That's fine. Yeah. Long way ahead by the sounds of it. But yeah, because it's, it's a beautiful point in yeah. the sense because the whole time they're talking about, yeah, you know, we're pretending, we're pretending, we're pretending. And then right at the end, after he's just shoved her against the wall and they do the mm. interview, she says, we're honest with each other. You know, and actually, that's probably yeah. why they can't leave each other because there's yeah. no pretending by the end. Um, yeah. And it's just, I think, a very interesting scene to start that up. And that's it. I mean, again, talking about the end, but... And they continue to walk off into the sunset pretending, you know, nothing really changes. I don't know. I think that I think they're being honest with each other by the end. Honest with each other, but but pretending to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, right? Is that they can be who they are with each other, but to the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. they have to be this different version. Yeah, they're still manipulative at the end, aren't they? They'll kiss me now or hold my hand and all that stuff. It's. Then, after being back in the past for the first time, we're uh, in North Carthage again, and we're at the point at which Nick realises that Amy's gone. Jess, you wanted to say something about that scene, I think. Yeah, and it, it very much is a small thing, but it's just whenever Rhonda, is who she is, the police woman, right? Rhonda Boney. Whenever she turns up in, I think, any scene, she has a cup of coffee in her hand. Yes, and it, it does. It just does my head in for some reason. <laughs> I really love it. I mean, it's it's a little. I mean, it's what this podcast is all about. It's the small stuff, but that tells you something about that character. But what is it telling you that she just has this absolute caffeine addiction? But it's but it's yeah. (laughs) But it's just a little character quirk. It's like in the film we're going to be doing next in Ocean's Eleven, uh, Brad Pitt's character is always eating. Mm. Can say the same thing. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So I just think I mean maybe it doesn't tell us anything about but run but it fleshes her out a little bit yeah it makes her you know and she's obviously on her way to work she stopped by you know quick trip or something got herself a coffee and yeah i I like it well maybe she was a a great actor but she just never knew what to do with her hands yeah uh i also love in the scene where he's showing the police around the house for the first time there's two things that i want to point out there's one where um ronda starts sticking post-it notes on places and Nick and the deputy share a look and the deputy just kind of like shrugs and like mm-hmm. almost rolls his eyes at Nick. Like, yeah, she does this. Uh, and then also um, he points at one room down the corridor and says, that's the cat's room. That was so good. <laughs> I've got a cat room. Have you got a cat room? No. no. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it says actually a little bit about their lifestyle, right? They don't need a house that big. They don't need a cat. Uh, room they don't need it yeah they're just like well we don't know what to do with that room so we call it the cat's room maybe it's that they are living the dream Mm. (laughs) they have a cat room yeah they have the cat room we'll skip ahead a little bit not very far but uh, when Nick is at the police station uh, for the first time and they're just interviewing him and he's being quite reasonable and just sort of he's not even really taking this very seriously at this point but then his dad shows up and you know, he's literally in the next room, but they've been trying to reach him all day. And the 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 idea that they're trying to get across is that he's kind of getting a bit worked up and agitated. And the police front desk person is getting a bit put out by how agitated he's being. But I actually think he's being quite reasonable. Mm. He's literally saying, I've been in the other room. How hard is it for you to put two and two together and go, oh, yeah, we're looking for this guy but he's in the other room. And so he's getting worked up and she like, I think quite reasonably. 
Um, but they, I don't know whether it's a, the filmmakers trying to portray that he can lose his temper or whether it's just, I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to say, but it, um, it, the, the desk clerk, her reaction annoys me. Mm. But then we get a shot of Rhonda kind of watching from the side, like kind of taking it all in, which is a, a little bit annoying because he's quite reasonable and his dad's a piece of work. His dad is such a piece of work. And yeah. I think it might actually maybe belong more in the music corner, but the only, to my knowledge, the only bit of right music that you hear with like words, a song, if you will, is when he's driving his dad home and it's Don't Fear the... Yeah. Is it Don't Fear the... Don't Fear the... Don't Fear the... Don't Fear Which seems apt. Great stuff. But then at the police station, we meet Mary, um, Amy's parents, Mary Beth and whatever his name is. I can't remember the dad's name. Uh, and they have the press conference and that whole scene. So, Jess, do you want to mention something about that sort of sequence? Yeah, it, I think it's just how, um, how dis- I want to say dislikable, really. The parents are right from really, the beginning. Really unpleasant looking people. Not looking, I don't mean that, but you're right. I didn't warm to any part of their characters. Mm. And I think they slightly do that with, with the colours in the sense that... Um, so beige you know the whole outfits from head to toe on both of them are literally beige yeah. and it's so so scripted what yeah. I say and, and dad is is like almost emotionless and grey and, and just really plain and oh I don't like him particularly but the mum is also yeah it's mm. all for appearances right mm. of course yeah and it's got to the point where even in their day to day interactions with their son-in-law it's still all about appearances and it's it gives you an idea of how amy is the way she is do they hate him then because they they don't like him do they they sort of allude to it later when they find out that whether they they kind of strongly suspect he's done something Mm. with amy Mm. that they kind of the 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 shackles break off and they say something about you know we've tried to like you or love you whatever it is they say you definitely definitely seem very cold don't they Yeah. yeah But I think it's, you, yeah, they did steal. He did steal a daughter of their daughter away to Missouri. I suppose it's <laughs> yeah. probably part of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but it's interesting you were saying about the um all about appearances because I think again it's that theme of like roles that people play and kind of the appearances and how how intoxicating it, it how intoxicating it can be when someone even if they are a murderer big spoiler or have tried to get you in prison for their murder. Yeah. If you know the very real person who's not trying to be anything but this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so cuts through well. Yeah. They're, they they do point you towards uh, findamazingamy.com. Yeah? Which redirects you to Disney's website now. Does it? Mm. Okay. Which is where I watched the Disney Plus. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, I had for some reason I hadn't even thought about uh, trying that out. I wonder if the phone number still works. You should try all of them. What is it, Amy for Amy Tips or something like that? One eight hundred for Amy Tips. I think <laughs> don't spell that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, or maybe do. Well, it's, only a, it's only a phone number. I don't know what bad can happen. Um, uh, Jess, you wanted to say something about when uh, they um, they're following the first clue and they go to his office. Yeah, I actually. Sorry, I think this might have been the wrong section. It, it, I, can't quite locate it in my mind now yeah. but it's where he Rhonda reads the first clue and then he says oh i know this one and the smile that he does and <laughs> this is nick i just spend the whole time just being like like face palming like oh nick like, it's just useless <laughs> well he spent the last what is it two or three years not being able to figure out the clues and so yeah. he's pretty proud of himself that he's 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 figured out one of her clues even though it was deliberately meant to be easy for him 
the clues. Can I talk about the clues for a bit? Now, this might be me missing a massive plot point here, but I don't really understand why Amy would leave the clues if she'd just been murdered. Well, but she'd be murdered, right? So there's yeah. clues, and yeah. I guess the clues are are they related to the the anniversary? Is that the whole point? Yeah. So every yeah. every anniversary, she does this for him. She leaves him on a treasure hunt with clues. But actually, if they fought, if, mm. but if they, yeah, well, uh, yeah, because actually, if if but they specifically, the clues are leading him, but also the police, to, the. Punch and Judy thing, all of the gifts in the woodshed. Well, I'll get to that. I think that's dumb. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, but the point, the point I'm making is, it leads them, it leads him, and therefore the police. Because remember, she changed the alarm at, at his dad's house so that when he went there, because he he figured out the the clue that the next clue leads him to his dad's old house. When he gets there, the alarm will be going off, and he won't be able to reset it, and the police will show up. So she's leading him and therefore the police it, to this incriminating evidence. It just seems ludicrously elaborate. All those things would have been found anyway in the yeah. due course of time. I also because if, sure. if you if you if you were a police officer, surely you'd think, well, if this woman was surprise murdered, or I know she, the kind of the build up is there, you know, this surprise actually, murdered, surprise, <laughs> <laughs> rather than kind of carefully sitting in your chair waiting for yeah, death waiting to for the murder. Um, but if you know, if this was. You would question it, surely. I mean, she does actually. Rhonda does question it. She says, "Oh, it feels a bit." Finding an envelope labeled clue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... But okay, so she has to make it look like I don't know. I, I I'm not. I don't have the same problem with it as you do. I, if they I think weren't it... there, would the police say, "Well, this is suspicious because there are no clues," and she does this every year? For your... <laughs> no, no, but they wouldn't have had any reason to go to his dad's house they wouldn't have any have had any reason to go to his office necessarily perhaps and so and also remember she's trying to frame him Mm. it's not it's not like the police are going to figure this out eventually it's like no i'm engineering (laughs) a situation where the police will pin it on him Mm. so it's all very deliberate on her part i mean maybe it's a bit much but well, Margot also does say, and Nick does say, the important part is the lessons and the playing God. So maybe to her, it's that it's not just yeah. enough that they it's find the out she yeah, has yeah, to control yeah. the steps in yeah. which it happens. Well, I think that's ultimately it, isn't it? It's her um, taking him through a journey of torture, essentially. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and she's she's sat there laughing at all the things that they're going to find out yeah. and dragging it out as much as as possible because she could have just done the thing with the blood, left that mallet somewhere they would have found straight away and they would have gone to the same conclusion mm. and it does Surely. really illustrate he mm. illustrates his i don't know if you say flaws but um i mean i do by the end find myself far more team amy than i am team nick <laughs> <laughs> i was quite surprised how much i how quickly i hated nick yeah yeah, yeah i was surprised yeah it, okay. i think he's just ugh. yeah i'm a little bit more sympathetic to nick but that's fine that's fine uh, all right let's move on to uh his dad's house. So we were talking about this when the the alarm goes off. Uh, I just wanted to say something really quickly about his dad's house. So his dad has just moved. I don't know just, but his dad has been out in the, the care home for at least a year. His dad's house is still an absolute tip. Mm. I mean, there's glasses and dirty plates and stuff all over the countertops. And Nick says whether he's he means it or not. He, he Nick says he goes there every week to make sure you know it hasn't been burnt down or whatever. 
but like we're we're literally in my parents house that we are in the process of going through and we're having to clear every single room and sort everything out why haven't they tidied up is that is it just another example of nick's malaise why haven't they done the washing up why have they yeah why have they got so many jars on the side it's so horrible Yeah. yeah So hard, but why bother with the alarm? Frankly, <laughs> hopefully they'll break in and tidy up a bit. Yeah, <laughs> or burn the place down, and you can claim the insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Incidentally, okay. that is the most annoying alarm I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> um, it's pretty funny how he's trying to phone the company to get it turned off, yeah. and it's it's almost unbearable. I'm like, shut up, shut up, <laughs> turn the flipping, flipping thing off, and and then Rhonda comes in and. Within seemingly seconds. Yeah. I don't understand. Who did well, she phone? <laughs> well, no, I think it's that presumably the alarm company is also in contact with the police. Like it's... Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's she just, had... lo- it looks like she phones someone up. And it is... the second they answer the phone, they, they turn the alarm off. But you're probably right. They it probably... is quite convenient that it's Rhonda that follows up the call about the alarm. Of course. Mm. Do, you, yeah. do you guys remember if in that scene she has a couple of coffee when she turns up? No, I don't know. I would love to know. Watch it again. You should watch it again, right now. <laughs> oh, no, I can't, I can't. <laughs> uh, right, we're going to skip on quite a few scenes, actually. We want to go to the scene where um, they move to Missouri in the past. So, um, yeah, Nick's mum is ill and they moved to Missouri. You had something to say, Jess, I think, on that scene. Yeah, although I'm thinking that, because the, the scene that I'm thinking of is where they're in that beautiful skyline and she... she they're talking about the issues of the mum wanting to use the trust fund, the mum and dad wanting oh, to use the trust okay. fund. Oh, okay, in New York. Yeah, so yeah. actually it's just... But then they do say about having to move, and I think okay. at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just a small point, but do you know, throughout such a large portion of the film, Nick is wearing this one blue shirt? Mm-hmm. She is wearing his blue shirt in that scene. Okay, um, she is. Yes. You're and, right. Yeah, and also what I found is interesting was that this whole beige and blue thing... So he's her parents are always in beige, yeah. and there's this one. I'm jumping slightly ahead, but when they're walking along the river and doing the search, mm-hmm. and she's the parents are on the beige on the beige kind of ground. He's with the blue on the blue water, and then the blue house. He says no, you know the brown house. No, yeah. it's still blue. And yeah. then he then says that he called it that because his dad, um, you know, the spy used to call him Mister Brown and yeah, things. Yeah. And I just found this blue and beige coloring. Theme really interesting. Very good. You can come on this podcast again, Jess. You're uh, <laughs> you're finding things that we no, would never find. At the start, isn't um, isn't Amy wearing a blue and okay, I guess cream striped top? Mm, she is. Mm, yeah. It. What do you think? The do you think the beige blue color has any greater meaning, or do you just think they just went for a color palette? I think it probably does. I mean, beige is very boring, isn't it, and very sort of. Um, ordinary so i mean i don't i haven't paid attention to what color the other characters are wearing like Rhonda and tanner and margot and people like that but i wonder if there's some mm. there's something there well i thought there was something in maybe the for them to kind of be leading up with it and then have for them to have that mention where he says oh i used to pretend that my dad was a spy called mr brown which was why he couldn't come visit mm. maybe it's again this whole i mean i'm wrapping everything back up to this theme of pretense and roles so maybe yeah if I try and wrench it over there. Okay, we're doing it. Good. This is the most I've thought 
ever doing one of these podcasts. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that to this. Oh, man. It's kind of cerebral level we've, that we're we've not got, particularly used to. Yeah, we've got a lot to live up to next time if Jess isn't <laughs> on it. Uh, right, Jess, I think you're dying to talk about the scene where Andy, we first oh meet Andy. <laughs> so uh, what have you got to say about this? I feel like I have to say for the sake of the tape, I'm pinching my nose in frustration. Okay, yeah, go on then. No, what were you going to say? I'm well, interested. no, I was just going to say, so again, something that perhaps we should have said at the beginning and maybe we even should have discussed before we started recording. Uh, this co- uh, film covers more adult re- themes than any film we've covered before on Don't Forget the Small Stuff. And I wondered whether this might be the first ever uh, non-PG uh, Don't Forget the Small Stuff. I don't know. We see, we'll see what we end up talking about, but... Um, well, I'll I'm use just... the power of suggestion. Okay. Right. Um, so you go. We've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, but I just mean, I mean, obviously, it's it's funny. I just find her character so unbelievably... I mean, the writing behind her character, just what... She opens the door. This guy that she's... This guy she's been sleeping with who is, has a wife... Is she sees him on the TV as an accused murderer, and she's like, "Oh, baby, (laughs) where have you been? (laughs) I've missed you so much. Let me just take my top off for you." Like, it's just just unbelievable. And then, and she's just so like they make her so vapid, and it's so her the woman who plays her as well is you know Emily Ratted. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know she through fame through blurred lines, but incredible writer, an amazing essayist, and I just think. Gosh, I wonder if when performing those lines, she was thinking, why am I being such a vapid... Yeah, I wonder whether... Or maybe it was meant to be, because she is... I don't know. I feel like... I'm not sure at that point in the film that Nick is is on the on the slate as the murderer. I mean, obviously, they're investigating the disappearance. So I'm, I'm not quite sure she's there yet, you know? Mm. She probably knows Nick better than we do at this point. Um, but let me just paint you a picture. Yeah. So you're with someone in a having an affair with someone, and even though if, even though if you don't think they're the murderer, you're aware that their wife has gone missing in potentially tragic circumstances, and they and the first thing you would say to them is like, "Baby, baby, where have you been?" Like, well, you wouldn't be like, "What's wor- going on?" Well, you know, but you, you're worried <laughs> about them, right? You're on their side. That's the kind of the point. She's on Team Nick. Because she loves him, and so you 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 have the you give him the benefit of the doubt, right? But she just doesn't seem like a real person. I think that's okay, my point. Good, she just yeah. doesn't. Her writing is just not a real person. Okay, agreed. agreed. Oh, she opens the door, and then all she cares about is the physical aspect of their relationship, and mm. that just yeah, it's lame, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's really lame. It's just like they make her lame, and but maybe it's maybe that's the point in that. Again, it's like you've got the intelligence of Amy, mm. and then you've kind of got and the intelligence the anti-Amy. And he's yeah, and he says in the proposal like you challenge me, you surprise me, mm-hmm. and then you've got this totally predictable. He kind of babies her and puts her top on for her, and maybe it's they meant are in to a hurry. Contrast. And oh, actually, yeah. maybe more more the point is Nick Nick goes with it, you know, mm. and that just shows he's super weak at this so, point, isn't he? Y- yes, um, I did want to mention that if that scene. For, for a number of reasons, um, reminds me of the scene in True Detective when um, Woody Harrelson's character is having an affair with um, a younger woman. Mm. And I remember thinking in True Detective, like, Woody Harrelson, your character is married to 
Michelle Monaghan, like who, this wonderful, intelligent, beautiful woman. Why are you having an affair with anyone? Mm. And then, so they the, they had to make it believable by making the person he's having the affair with like the most beautiful person on the planet. And I feel like there's an element of that, or at least it reminded me of that in mm. this. Like there was, there's some topless nudity in this and i feel like it almost had to be there because otherwise nick what are you doing yeah you know, I your mean, wife is rosamund pike yeah, yeah. <laughs> have but, you seen your yeah, wife yeah um but you know f- forgive my you know crudity but have you seen these boobs you know it's like it's that isn't it it's, but, but then he doesn't mention he doesn't say i mean not that he's going to say to his sister yeah, have you have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, have you seen it? I'll get her to come back in and take yeah. her top off if you want. You say that, but take another look. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're annoyed now, but would you reconsider? <laughs> um, but I think, like, I think we are thinking about it, I guess, because the line I actually wanted to talk about was mm. when she says, "Talk to me every day, or I go, or I'll go crazy." Yeah. And in my head, I just have Amy being like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'll show you what crazy is. So. um She's yeah. I mean, she's. I guess maybe you more. You said it, and I kind of tried to sum it up by saying she's the anti-Amy, right? Yeah. She's the the opposite. She's everything that Amy isn't, mm. or rather, Amy is everything she isn't. Um, so maybe I mean, that's her. And I think that's the she's thing. Counterpoint. I, I just there's characters when they are a plot device, and so the the dialogue just feels kind of weak. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you also wanted to say something about the scene that follows that when. Um, it's again in the past and Nick's mum dies and, and they have, um, they have like the, our marriages in, in, in tatters basically. Oh yeah. That was purely, but is this when he hit, when he pushes her? Yeah. So that, if you were to see the visual elements, so he pushes her. I also just love the part when she says, Oh, um, it's not good enough. And she hits him and says, she's, it's not even close. I just, I really, really kind of was on her side there, but when he pushes her, <laughs> Um, Bear in mind, you're not even on her side in this fictional past that she's creating because that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, also, but that's what's interesting that it didn't happen. But there's kind of like. But she's engineering it to be on, on her side. But I, you know, I think what's interesting is that no, these facts didn't happen. But actually, through the character of Nick, you do kind of meet this somewhat lackluster, somewhat kind of. Anyway, but my my yeah. point is, when he pushes her, do you know in composition they talk about the golden spiral, like mm-hmm. in the, yep. the mm-hmm. it quite literally does. The staircase is this kind of golden spiral and she's kind of at the end, just this perfect, beautiful scene. So even even when she's being shoved to the ground, it is this... And maybe they're trying to say by the composition that it's constructed. Yeah. It's too good to be. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, really good point. That's nice. You see, Andy? Mm. That level of analysis, we don't it's get that often. Passes us by, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're going to skip on again a little bit and it's getting pretty bad for Nick they find out about the pregnancy etc etc he smashes the glass on the floor and then a little bit after that margot shows up and they have a a proper big argument and uh it's a great scene i I pretty much love any scene with margot in it i'm gonna just put that out there i think she's amazing um but the thing i wanted to say about that is that after this bust up where she's basically accused nick of (laughs) murdering his wife nick why have you kept this stuff it's like a little box of hate i don't know go Maybe I hate her. I love you no matter what. But you need to tell me. Tell you what? What are you asking me? Are you asking me if I killed my wife? Go? Is that what you're asking me? If I murdered my wife? I would never ask you that. 
she leaves in the huff, but she still has time to just give the cat a little pet on the on the head before she leaves. Yep. So good on you, Margot. So it, it basically is a way, I think, of the filmmakers. They've had this big, big argument, but she's still part of the gang. She's still one of them. She's just really pissed off at the moment. Mm. Uh, and then Nick, um, Nick kind of takes it upon himself to be a bit more proactive at this point, And he tries to figure out clue number three. And he finds the toys in the woodshed. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Right. So I mentioned the clues earlier. Yeah. It, it, to my mind, it, it peaks of stupidity at this point. Because <laughs> at that point, I call the police and say, well, I've just found this stuff. I've just right. found a robo dog. I know. Yeah, exactly. Turned on, ready to go. <laughs> um, why would you, unless you were completely stupid, buy all those things on your credit card, stash them in the same place and... Display make, them? Display them like it's a prize to a quiz. Yeah. Right? Or a mm-hmm. game Or a show. raffle. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> and there's literally the box with the, I guess it's the Punch and Judy statues at that point, with a bow on and... Mm. and uh, and they they get them out. They start looking at them. Well, the, the toys and stuff. Why? Why? Why are you doing that? Call the police. Take photographs of it. Stand back and say, yeah. oh, "This is crazy." Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. You know, he. I can understand. I don't agree with him, but I understand why he might want to have kept the 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 thing with Andy under wraps, the affair he's been having, mm-hmm. because it, it does it is incriminating, right? But the stuff with the the toys. Who stacks goods like that? Yeah, yeah, stuff that you would actually be using. And I do love the way this is. This is about as an analytical as I get on this podcast. I do love the way Rhonda is clearly into her golf because on more than one occasion she's like, "Those are nice clubs." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she's really actually she's into the clubs. There's like the robot dog and the TV or whatever else, but those clubs mm-hmm. they're nice. The whole interior world of uh, Rhonda is just. Yeah. Coffee shops and golf, <laughs> golf courses, golf courses. Yeah. <laughs> and probably coffees at the golf course. So I actually mm-hmm. just dreams yeah. of like. <laughs> yeah, I also wanted to point out. I don't know if you saw this, Andy, but you know my a fellow board gamer. But um, Dominion and yeah. Race for the Galaxy were mm-hmm. center stage in that pile of toys and gadgets just, and things. Because oh, no, no, sorry, the games are okay. good. Dominion's right. a great game. I Dominion is great. That, yeah. Race for the Galaxy is fabulous. Why would you? Like a board game, you know, at that time would have cost like $50. Not Yeah, but not even, but yes. You buy it, you put it on your, your bookshelf, no one cares. With the you other... You every little part of it, everything, oh, look, I'll, I'll buy $50,000 worth of cool yeah. stuff and so put it stays, in the same so. place. Mm. Even the bits that I could get away with, like laundering money, you can get away with putting that on your shelf because it's such a... <laughs> people buy board games. I love you calling it cool stuff as well because that is the perfect title for everything that is in the shed. Like it yeah. is the shed of yeah, yeah, cool stuff. Cool. I stuff. used to watch the Gadget Show when it was a thing back on Channel Four, and it it stressed me out actually because they'd go, they have a, like a, a star prize, and it was like fifty thousand pounds oh, worth yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I remember. That was and amazing. They, they they were talking what, about what you get. They listed off, and it would take them like three minutes. <laughs> I was thinking, if a truck, and it was a truck, turned up with that stuff, where would it go? I know the answer. In the wood store. <laughs> so what you're saying is this was the gadget what? show yeah. prize pool. That's what he's done. He's yeah. well, the that's the thing. Well, if the police had found... Exactly. Like if the This is where it does slightly fall apart, the whole treasure hunt. Because if the police had found that before him, 
surely that leads back to oh this feels a you know why would you why would well, but you, they yeah. don't think that when they find it when so i i think who, yeah it's who stores things like that for me <laughs> for me i know you guys are kind of finding more weak links in this film than i am but for me this is the weak link in the whole film it's yep. like what it doesn't yeah. make it's any so sense. staged so ridiculous yeah, yeah. And if the police found it, they'd be like, well... What the hell is going on? Well, we're, This is ridiculous. Yeah, what? This is so contrived. Yeah. Yeah, and especially when you're then having a conversation with Nick and he's saying, no, she's setting me up, she's framing me. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, look at this ridiculously staged scene here. But anyway. Right. It's not... We don't normally do this, but we're going to take a break. present day Amy for the first time she's in her car she's free she's giving us a, a very convenient narration about how to stage a convincing murder I mean again it's, it's not really a small thing except from the fact that it's just a great scene I think of all the scenes it is one of the most iconic really um just the writing is just really good mm. and it's so and it's such a dramatic introduction to the character of Amy it's just such a curtain drop kind of moment if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah you do really get a sense of that point of how unhinged she is it's uh it's quite dramatic my favorite line actually is when she's talking about noelle we've seen noelle a couple of times Mm -hmm. you know what's hard faking a pregnancy first drain your toilet invite pregnant idiot into your home and ply her with lemonade says invite pregnant idiot into your home <laughs> <laughs> i think it's great she's, she's so dismissive she's yeah. utterly dismissive about anyone who's remotely not at her level but i do again i don't know if it's uh potentially worrying maybe an invitation to me reflect on my own self a little bit here but i do just find her so much more likable than to nick you know nick is so uh just kind of in- he has no impact really he's just kind of like oh no and then she comes along and she's like this is how you get stuff done mm. it's just yeah well i mean yeah. skeleton king beware right you <laughs> well the guy i met in a park once yeah. <laughs> he'll be fine actually yeah the only time i think nick kind of impresses with his assertiveness is when he decides to to do the interview uh, despite the fact that um andy's just kind of come out and yeah. said we're having an affair on tv and he's like no i'm gonna own this i'm like well done mm. so that's kind of one of my points that i didn't really know where to fit it in but it actually fits in really nicely with this conversation so most of this film things are happening to nick he is a passenger in this mm-hmm. whole thing because of mostly because of the manipulation by amy but also because he's lethargic and quite passive and lazy and you know down in the dumps and all these things but this is all happening to him and things go really badly it's only when he decides to take action and do something positive that things start to go all right so you'd mentioned the the interview um even solving the clue the the third clue even though it leads to something bad he could have if he'd been more proactive and reported it to the police he could have it would have been even better and 
when he goes, I know this is kind of when he goes to see Tanner and then Tanner goes into to see the other guy, Tommy. I guess he's being proactive then as well. Uh, and things go a little bit better for him. Anyway, uh, that's just my thought. Yeah, he's a passenger for most of this and it's better for him when he's proactive. I think that's maybe why you like, almost even though Amy is doing something that is just crazy, there's this part that you kind of think, well, yeah, what, you know, what is this guy doing? Like, you have sympathy for both of them in their marriage. Let's not mm. talk about like the the murder plot and all that kind of stuff. But in their marriage, you, I think I sympathise with both. Mm. She is incredibly controlling and hard to live with, and he is lethargic and a bit of a wet fish. And yeah, I love the bit when she, he says, "Oh, you know." I'd, She's always dissatisfied, like, and then, um, oh, it's such a fantastic line. She says, he actually expected me to love him unconditionally. Um, <laughs> so good. <clears throat> oh, man. Uh, so shortly after the how to stage a convincing murder, it kind of actually ends rather suddenly when she hits herself in the face with a hammer, mm. which is not something I could do, I don't think. It just goes, it shows you the length at which she's willing to do. But I, the only thing I wanted to say about that is that She's doing it while she's brushing her teeth. Mm. So she has a toothbrush in her mouth when she hits herself in the face with a hammer. I'd forgotten about that bit. And I, I thought she was going to hit the toothbrush into her mouth with the <laughs> hammer. I think, what are you doing? Obviously, that's not what she's doing. Yeah. But um, I feel that's high risk. Because right? you don't know how you're going to react when you get hit in the face with a hammer. It's quite close to her eye. Yeah. Well, you know. well what if you, like, you fell funny and you landed on your face instead of on your back and of course there is the obvious risk of the fact that you are hitting your face with the hammer yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you was, know was that hammer did she buy that hammer for the job well I, that was a question i had she gets it out of underneath the sink in the yeah. bathroom yeah. from a, a small toolkit. Mm. was that just there the whole time did every cabin in this campground have a toolkit under the bathroom sink? I think that's a special type of hammer because it had a kind of rounded it's head. A ball, it's called a ball-peen hammer. Is it? Yeah. It doesn't why why sound do like you know that? Because my dad was an engineer. He had, had ball-peen ball okay. hammer. Okay, yeah. but it's not just a regular hammer. So you... well, My dad had a, a number of ball-peen hammers. But, yeah. but it's not. I, I wouldn't buy one. Because yeah, it's not a claw hammer. Have... You can't pull out nails yeah. with it, for example. And it has got a flat head. No, it, do, it does. The other end has a flat head. The other oh, side. Okay, right, yeah. right, right. So it's flat head on one side, the ball on the other side. <laughs> I, 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 um, I wanted to talk about the noise that it makes because I quite like the thud. Shake that for audio corner, maybe. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think she'd be laughing at it, but the way she falls, I don't. Is that what would happen? Yeah, because she kind of falls out of the camera, doesn't she? She falls out of the shot. I don't, I don't care. I mean, mm. I don't. But the, I guess my point is not that I don't care how one would fall. I just don't think it matters, mm. and I think. We don't know how one would fall if you hit yourself in the face with a hammer. So it doesn't matter, does it? I, I just think it looks a bit crap. I think it would be better off not showing it. So just... show her swinging the hammer, but then um, don't show her face at all. Because it looks like, I'm not watching it in slow motion, but it looks like she starts to do the thing you would do. and Get out of the way of it. Naturally mm. move out of the way, so oh. start falling back before it hits you, which of course makes it more risky even you know catch your eye all of a sudden or, or what have you silly i like it i do like the toothbrush thing because again it shows she's just so matter of fact it's like it's part of the it's part of the process yeah like brush when, your teeth get hit in the face she's got yeah. a post-it note that just says you know 
at the end of this is the plan to kill herself. Kill herself. And just a question mark. And it's in. She wasn't sure what day. Yeah. I guess. She's just so matter of fact. It's like, you know, the emotion's taken out. This is just the steps that need to happen. Yeah. Uh, the calendar of insanity is so well organized, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine, mine definitely is. <laughs> uh, skipping ahead a little bit, uh, we meet, or rather, he goes to meet Tanner Bolt. I love Tanner. I think he's. Him and Margot are my two, my two favorite non-incidental characters uh the best thing about tanner is that he is always laughing at nick and his situation nick dunn i have been sitting by the phone my friend (laughs) i'm sorry do you not believe me no i believe you it's just the craziest thing i've ever heard i mean i love it for you it, it sucks but you you got to have a grudging respect for your wife at this point. Right? Are you laughing me out of the building? No, are you kidding me? I'm <laughs> like the first time we see him, pretty much, yeah. it, you can just tell that Nick's just finished telling him about the whole situation and he's just laughing at him. <laughs> it's the, and he's like, what, you, you, something like, you don't believe me or something. He goes, no, no, I believe you. No, it's just the wildest that, thing I've ever heard. Or he says something like, as well, like, are you laughing me out of? Yeah, the, you know, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Good. Um, and then also, just after that, oh, um, Tanner's clearly very good at his job because he instantly finds uh, Tommy O'Hara. And he, yeah, go on. So it's just interesting, actually, if you think like Tommy, I'm not trying, Tanner, Nick is surrounded by these people who are more capable and more efficient than him. Yeah. <laughs> like... mm-hmm. So he goes to meet Tommy. And I think this is probably my favourite scene in the film mm. when he's in the bar with Tommy. And Tommy's like, uh, I don't know, I just feel like this is, I don't know, it sounds a bit bit trite, but I feel like this scene is the heart of the film because it it's the corroboration of the fact that Nick is not alone. Like, she's done this before. And I love the way Tommy says she's moved on from, she's graduated or from being raped to being murdered. And I just, I just think it's so good. I, I, yeah. I love the line when he says, you know, and guess what's tied up on the bed? And he says, you're, you're the ties that you wouldn't wear. Yeah. It's like, you do know you're, mm-hmm. you do, yeah. yeah. Also, I, I won't, for the sake of the, the podcast and the PG, I won't go into the details. But, but you know, she, he's describing the scene mm-hmm. and he apologises to Nick. Like, sorry, I know this is your wife. Yeah. <laughs> like Nick's face that he makes is so yeah. good. No, he just doesn't care at that point. That's well, the... he does though. That's the thing. He kind of looks a bit squeamish as I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. No, I'm clutching his pearls. <laughs> uh, then we're back with Amy and kind of get that scene with uh, Greta watching the TV and stuff. So that show they're watching, this is it's only a little thing, but it, um, it tickles me every time I see this. Um, I've seen enough US TV shows to laugh continuously at the speed of the credits. You watch. <laughs> this is particularly... Outrageous example of credits that they're just illegible. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're watching that show where they're essentially it's about Amy and yeah. she's getting a bit mad about Greta's opinion, and then it ends in the yeah. It made me chuckle. The fast scrolling credits. What, what year is this supposed to be in? I don't know, twenty ten ish. Yeah, like twenty twelve. I don't know. Mm. I mean, why? No, it's just every time they use. I know you know the tech tends to be crap. Like really old, apart from the stuff in um, Denny's house. 
Everything seems to be like a bit run down and like. Mm, she does go to an internet cafe as yeah, well. That's the well, worst. so it's in the Ozarks, right? Yeah, yeah. Having, having been to the Ozarks, it's just it's not the most affluent area. And Maybe. so, if you're going to a campground on end, mm-hmm. be a resident at a campground, it's probably not going to charge very much. And then you've got a crap TV, and you've got you know. It wasn't. It wasn't just that. I mean, it was. It, there was. I mean, the internet cafe again. I get it. But... See, I don't even think that's the internet cafe. I think that's the lodge of the campground. Uh, I think it's like, oh yeah, you want internet access? Yeah, we've got a couple of PCs uh, okay. upstairs. That's my right. take on Whatever it. Whatever that is. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of other um, examples, and I was like, is this? Is this? Because I assumed it was just set in the time the book was read, written. written mm. I should say. And yeah, just, probably. Some of it just, and you're probably right. It's probably the area and the the. the um, I guess the priority people put on tech above other things like food, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. A little bit later on, still in the Ozarks, they go they go play crazy golf, and it's quite it's a turning point in the film because mm-hmm. they see the money belt. But before the money belt thing, uh, I just love the the Greta takes a full swing on the crazy golf, and the ball goes absolutely so miles. miles. It's just so good. And under her breath, Amy goes something like, are we keeping score? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she would want to be in control, right? Yeah. She would She'd want, want to win, win yeah. the golf. Uh, crazy just, golf, and it's yeah. crazy golf. Yeah. I just love the full swing that, that credit takes. It's brilliant. Uh, again, moving forward a little bit, but the, um, the money belt situation leads to her... Well, basically getting mugged in her own cabin by Jeff and Greta. Greta, in many ways, she's kind of... Mm, I don't like her, but I love the character that she just absolutely... Uh, like, Amy's trying so hard to put on this accent and be this person, and then when she mugs her, she's like... Look under her dress. He talked you into this? I talked him into it. Second you leave, I'm calling the cops. Your glasses are fake. Your hair's dyed all hamster. You say her name's Nancy, but you don't even answer to it half the time. You're hiding, and I don't know why, and I don't really care. But you ain't gonna call the cops. And I don't think you've ever really been hit before. No! Oh! Oh! Just rips her pretense to shreds. Yeah. And when they're watching the news, she's like, spoiled rich girl, uh... And and she just cuts through it, and yeah. and she's so good for that in the sense that she's like this antidote that just can't be yeah. manipulated manipulated she's, by anyone. She's no dummy, is the point about Greta, yeah, right? Yeah. Just because you are local in the Ozarks or whatever, it doesn't you know you're you you don't have to be dumb because you live in a, depo- a deprived area. It does such a good job to showing that Amy thinks she's so clever, um, and she is, but actually mm. there's this kind of other this worldly knowledge that she just is lacking. Yeah. I think Amy does, messes this whole bit up. Like she's the money belt thing annoys me so much. Like, mm-hmm. is she complacent at this point? She thinks she's done it, so she can kind of. I mean, she does kind of just chill out. Like she's like in the pool, just like mm-hmm. living the good life for a few weeks before she kills herself. So I think she drops her guard, and the money belt thing is a disaster. Like, what are you doing? I mean, don't take it crazy golfing with you. Lock it in your car. Or, you know, anything. No, I mean, I don't know. I just well, think. I mean, the car looks like you could open it with a can opener. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. But is it one of those interesting things that they do in films or TV shows when 
they have this random plot moment, which actually, if, for example, if you were to take away her drop, they need her to drop that money belt because mm-hmm. that is where the momentum starts coming from. Mm-hmm. But it's quite an annoying thing to do because it's kind of like you've got two writers and they're in a room and one's like, oh, but we need to go from point A to see how you know how are we going to do that yeah. and it's like well i'll just get her to drop them i out. wonder if that part is in the book yeah i wonder i don't know i can't remember because you're right it seems a really clumsy way of mm. going from here to here we need something that's going to change the tide yeah and it feels like a completely contrived thing where they've said okay let's just do that because then then we can yeah. move forward no, that's fair enough. Um, yeah. i don't know whether i don't remember the book to be honest but uh, after they leave, after they've stolen her money, uh, she does that scream into the pillow, mm. which I think is great because it's it's so revealing of her character because she is still keeping up the appearance. Like she, these people have just mugged her; they don't care about her. They don't like she. Yeah, Jeff does say sorry. <laughs> it's not sorry. But, we really need the money. He's but then, polite about it. It's like she screams into the pillow so they don't hear her scream. Mm. So that it's like it's still she's still keeping up appearances. Yeah. She's not showing any weakness at that point, even though these people don't care about her. They have just inflicted this on her. Um, But the only people she's doing that for are them because like no one else is going. It's anyway, I just think it's a it's a really interesting um, little snippet of Amy's character. She drives away. She she needs to phone. We don't know, but it's just it turns out she's desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh. So she she stops at like a, a service station or something to make the phone call. Mm. The, the public phone is in the worst place because <laughs> obviously they muted her voice. Mm. They don't yeah. want us to know. You can her. kind of hear a little bit of screaming or something right towards the end of that yeah. scene. But the truck is driving past. It's so loud, and you, there's no there's no cover. You just imagine anyone making a public phone call from there it would be completely impossible to hear what they're saying. Mm. The noise—it's really funny. But there are, if I remember rightly, there are places in America where their phones are like that. They're just just out yeah. the most open. frustrating yeah. thing ever. You'd be like, "So what are you saying?" Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. They choose to film it when there's so much noise around. I guess because if you know it helps mute. Uh, Amy, I yeah, suppose, is yeah, exactly. from, from a from a cinematic perspective. It's so that we don't know who she's calling. But it's so stupid. Yeah. We then go to the scene with the interview, um, or at least like the prep preparation for the interview, and then the interview itself. Yeah, I was just the only thing that I had to say was there's this really funny line when Nick is saying, oh, "You know, I'll just continue to say, you know, I'm sorry, I messed up, blah blah blah." Or, or no, actually, Margot suggests you just amp up that I'm sorry, I messed up, I'm mm-hmm. an idiot. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get it, what men are supposed to do. And I just oh. thought it was kind of a line that kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and it just made me laugh. <laughs> just kind of... Do you agree with that? What, the just need to apologise? Yeah. And... <laughs> I mean, I f- no, I no, just good, feel good. like... Thank you, that was the right answer, yeah, thank you. No, I do not. <laughs> I was questioning, I was like, is there part of me that believes that? And let's be honest here. So it is Desi that she's phoning. And an- another candidate for perhaps my one of my favourite scenes in the film is when Desi is is taking her on the tour of the lake house. And he's it's a massive flex all the way through. He talks about how the bed is Savoir and the this and the that. But my favourite bit is when he goes, it's the first thing he says, there's music, there's satellite, Netflix. <laughs> 
Welcome. Make yourself at home. I've got music, satellite, Netflix, Roku, internet, obviously. <laughs> it's like that for him for some reason is the ultimate flex and it like, ended up on Disney Plus yeah. <laughs> it's like I've got Netflix <laughs> like she should literally go uh, mm. everyone's got Netflix or like we're literally beside a lake that's yeah. probably the cooler part <laughs> he says as well at the end of that bit he says um, internet obviously <laughs> what? if you didn't have internet I'd be leaving He's just so awful. So we've already talked about how even though uh, Amy is the, quotes villain of mm. the movie, potentially, you, we don't particularly like Nick, or at least you guys don't particularly like Nick, the least, by far, the least likable and worst character in this film is Desi. And he's so creepy. He's like, so he's, horrible. He's with Amy, the actual killer, and he is, well, he's soon to be. And yeah. Yeah, so creepy. And again, what makes him creepy is this role thing that he's like, do you know when he gets to the clothes and he's like, the gym is over there. Mm-hmm. You know, the sooner yeah. you start looking like yourself, the sooner... Yeah. He and, buys, literally yeah. buys a makeup, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weird. He's just like, don't worry, love. I've got he's, all the things you need. He's awful. I mean, obviously, he's scarred by the experiences that he had with Amy when they were at school. And it's basically driven him for the for the rest of his life. I mean, he's clearly very successful. You have to feel like that success that he's experienced financially was almost for this exact moment mm-hmm. so that he could show Amy everything that she's missed out on. Yeah. Uh, and the tour of the house is, is that, isn't it? He describes the underfloor heating in a weird way. He says, the floor has heating. <laughs> he's just he's yeah. just weird isn't he's he horrible. Yeah. he's absolutely horrible played so well by yeah um, yeah, yeah neil patrick Harris. yeah yeah, yeah. thank you the, wear, he's wearing a beige suit isn't he i watching, think he is yeah yeah there's so much beige nice. going on once yeah it's, it's nice. when they're watching yeah, tv they're watching the interview aren't they mm. he's got this kind of some beige suit on with i think no shoes or socks on it's <laughs> like it's like a ballet dancer it's really strange uh, Jess, did you want to mention anything about the um, either them watching the interview or the police finding the woodshed? It's the interview. So there is a point I will, to just build suspense now, it will be being returned to in Audio Corner. Excellent. But um, the, just the fact that she's eating this yoghurt, I think it is, or is it or yoghurt? Or creme brulee creme, or something yeah, or like where, that, yeah. Maybe it's creme brulee. Yeah. But it just <laughs> there's one point where it like, dribbles down where she's just so transfixed and, fixed and he's looking at her like... Babe, babe. <laughs> yeah, well, and also he, she picks up his as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, all slim and, mm-hmm. and put and, her in the gym again. Well, also, he, she just does not care about him yeah. and it's so exposed. You know, mm-hmm. she just does not care. She's transfixed and she says something like, oh, I bought him that. And, yeah. and it's great, actually, because it's the one point where you see him playing her. Because he puts on the cufflinks, I think it is, or the tie, and mm-hmm. says, and he is, there is something satisfying about the fact that even though they may be these awful couple, they just know each other so well and there is something that's just so kind of appealing about that yeah the tie um, and the watch the, mm, yeah i think there is a lot to be said about and the, yeah. he does the he does the hands on the chin thing or the fingers on the chin yeah thing. Mm-hmm. yeah he, do, he and i think that's when you almost he does do so well from the fake audience because you think oh he doesn't kill his wife but in the real audience you think oh he does know his wife mm-hmm. oh the only thing i wanted to say about the finding the woodshed thing was that Rhonda loves golf but 
we've already said that. <laughs> um, She's a woman of a few tastes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the lake house, uh, a little bit later on, um, she starts taking control of Desi. It doesn't take long for her to figure out what she needs to do. And she starts manipulating him. She bites his lip and stuff. So this is just my favourite small... It's my favourite line. I don't know if it's a little bit further from this, but mm. when she says, we'll go to Greece, uh, his little hopeful line back is a uh, uh, octopus and scrabble. Octopus and scrabble, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's so, so good. And, and I didn't notice it any other time. I watched like When I watched it again recently, I was like, how have I missed this line every time? It's just... Uh. Octopus and scrabble. That's that's Desi's dream. Yeah, you think of Greece and you think of octopus and Scrabble. Like that's what the two images are paired together. Oh, you like Desi. Scrabble? Uh, n- n- not really. Wordsmith that you are? No. Okay. No. You like Scrabble? No. Oh man. Okay. No, I do not. I grew I'm... up playing Scrabble with with my mum, so I'm terrible at it. Yeah. I'm also terrible at it. I can't be bothered. It's like work. I don't know. Anyway. Do you do crosswords? We're uh, off on our tangent. Um, I tried to teach myself. Cryptic co- oh, crosswords. No, 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 well, no, 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 because that's that's a kind of a language. Once you learn the language, it's actually quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I can't I, believe you're giving Scrabble a hard time, but you're a. And I do crosswords until I can't, and then I move on. So I leave them half, not even half done. Frankly, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's yeah, yeah, yeah that's like, how it goes. Because I just like quizzes and I like questions mm. and like you know. yeah. Anyway. I just wanted to mention something about uh, they. Obviously, Nick's been arrested at this point, but then they they get him out on bond. I think Tanner says. And Tana has said this a couple of times, and this is the point I wanted to make. In terms of trying to find Amy, Tana has said, I've got two of my best guys working on it. He says it twice, but nothing ever comes of it. Yeah. I want to know who Tana's best guys are, and I want to know how close they got to finding Amy. And I mean, there's a lot of, for me, there's a lot of unanswered, unanswered questions there. Who are Tanner's best guys? Why are they so good? What did they do before they worked for Tanner? Um, and, and why didn't they find... I think that's know. them trying to put plaster on a plot hole because someone could just say, why are you just not trying to find Amy? And it's like, we are trying. With we, best guys. We've got the With best guys. Best Top guys. men. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Andy, you wanted to say something about um, <laughs> the The murder. The only murder in the... In oh, the yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to say, which I'm not going to. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Um, but um, she's... she's Actually, he's died. He's literally just died. And she's kind of sort of kneeling next to him. She just tosses her hair a little bit. Like, oh, yeah, off we go. It's <laughs> so weird. It's like the hammer again, though, know, isn't it? She just does these, I mean... Really good, quirky little things. She because it's all in the plan, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. The plan, it has gone to plan, yeah. this caper that I'm on. Off I go. Caper. Yeah. It's <laughs> like... When you slit someone's throat and are covered in their blood. Mm-hmm. A caper. <laughs> it's it's the um, murder equivalent of when James Bond straightens his tie when he's underwater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of thing, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah, like, yeah. When, do you know when he goes on the, onto the train and does his cufflinks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, so good. it's good. Uh, right. I just wanted to say uh, about when Amy returns to the house... For the first time, that is, that imagery is bonkers. It is brilliant. She is covered in what is essentially dried blood, and she stage manages that whole thing so unbelievably well. It's super similar, both in composition and in the. I think the, no, not music, but 
the, do you know when she, he pushes her at the steps and she falls at the mm. spiral? Yeah. The, I don't know if you remember, but the scene, you've got all the paparazzi, I mm-hmm. think it is, all the reporters, I don't know yeah. who's there, there. And then you've got the garden path that cuts perfectly kind of diagonal. Okay. And he's there and she falls. So it's this like beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. It's like the ending of a ballet. Like, yeah. ta-da! <laughs> yeah, amazing. And no, just her appearance is just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It? It's so good. Uh, Jess, I think there's like a number of scenes here that you wanted to have make an overall point about. Here's... That was about the point about the roles and the fact that, to me, the film is kind of summing up this or leading us to this point about kind of who we feel we need to pretend to be, who we are, worried that other people think we are. You know, I mean, there's so many different things going on. There's so many different conversations of... um. You know, I might be repeating myself, but when he says about the, you know, if we ever become this type of couple, mm. this type of girl, Amy's this type of person, Nick was pretending to be this person. Yeah. And it just, it does make, I think the whole point is it's meant to lead you to this final question of, well, if you're pretending to be these people, then who are you actually? You know, behind all of these roles, who are these, who are you? Um, and I think that's why the end, the end scene is so good, because I don't think by the end, but I think that's, Amy knows who she is. But she's very good at putting on roles, but she knows who she is. Whereas Nick is still kind of trying to pretend that he doesn't like Amy. And mm. he's saying to Margot, I have to stay because of the child. And yeah. Margot's like, no, you're not. Margot you're just... sees through him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to mention once again that just as Tanner leaves, he is all again laughing at Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, it's like he laughs at when he first meets Nick and he laughs when they part. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> Amy turns up. Oh, okay. House, yeah. Right. As you say, it's actually quite a quite a nicely staged scene, isn't it? She's, as you say, she's covered in blood. Um, she then goes, I guess, to the hospital to get mm-hmm. checked out. There's police there. They talk mm. to her, FBI. and then and then they come home. Only at that point do they wash the blood off. <laughs> what what's going on? Wait, I don't understand it. Why? That is true, actually. Yeah. Well, why? Yeah. She's literally in hospital. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's no, they... but the, the hospital only cares about her welfare, not her appearance. I mean... She's think... literally covered head to toe in dried blood. It's because they wouldn't be able I to d- have the shower scene. If uh, they need, they need the. They could have the shower scene. They, they, they didn't yeah. have to have the blood with the shower scene. I, it, I, it... it struck me as slightly weird, but at the same time, I kind of get it. That, you know, you, went hospital, is you went to hospital and you did a massive cut down your leg, yeah. right? And you had blood all over the leg. They're going to clean it up. Are they? They'll clean. They'll clean the wound. They kick you out with blood all down your leg. Do you know. think it's because they want us to see the blood being washed off in that kind of I, metaphorical, mm, yeah, fresh maybe. start? <laughs> Am I literally? They interview her. She's covered in blood. I'm like, dude, go get it washed. Go yeah. clean yourself up. No yeah. love at all. Go look after yourself first, and then answer yeah. our questions. <laughs> you would say it's that. so strange. You've just because if you believed her, if you believed that she'd been through this traumatic experience, this awful experience, surely you'd say, go and go and go and eat some yeah. food, wash you wash That's yourself. Right. And she's <laughs> driven. I don't know. Whatever. Two hours. <laughs> There's also that. The, I think what you're saying is right, though. It's it's for the metaphorical washing, and it oh, yeah. the, in the shower. That scene's amazing, by the mm. way. In the shower. Um, it's really only after her motives become clear that she then starts properly, the, the blood starts washing mm-hmm. off her. That, mm. and So um, 
It's funny though. No, there are so many, once you there is that once you have a critical eye of a film and you watch it that many times, there are so many moments where you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. So my favorite scene of the entire film was when he whacks her against the wall, oh. and she I can't say there's the some words. bad language, some very bad language, some bad words. But the you know she says I'm it. You think you'd be happy with some. I think if I was a like, Midwestern girl, yeah. Um, she says, yeah, you think you'd be happy with some Midwestern girl? No, baby, I'm it. Mm. Um, and she's got this little piece of hair just above the front of her face. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, do you know, you watch them as a couple and there's part of you that's like, oh, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, you're just, you're just like, yeah, I get it. So good together. <laughs> well, there's part of that you do have this part that's like, I can kind of see why she like, she kind of is it, you know? So, yeah, I kind of get it. Yeah, I was just wondering what do you what do you both think of that scene? It's like you just said to us off air, um what he does isn't it's not good, right? But she's she's manipulating him to the point where he he has no outlet. Like he's he's completely powerless in every aspect of his life. Um so it's yeah, it's abuse on both sides. <clears throat> But I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how I feel about. I guess it just proves that they're, they're like you said, they're right for each other. You know, they deserve each other in some some weird way. Yeah, I think it's the most kind of visceral illustration of the uh, the power struggle between them. Um, she's got the not the intellect, but the the desire to kind of twist the knife and 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 mentally and emotionally abuse him and. When it comes down to it, he's not that adept and, and, and you know, falls back to a little bit of violence. Um, but, yeah, I think you see that power struggle probably probably most, you know, I guess it might be the only time you see that face-to-face battle between them like that. So, yeah, it is super powerful, though. I think it is worth saying, not that the physical violence is, is you know, right in any way, but uh, it's the only time he's physically violent with anyone aside from smashing a glass, which doesn't mm. really count uh, because the, the violence we see previously to that didn't, it's, it's yeah. made up. It's, it it's her yeah. false tale. Yeah. Uh, so he's not a violent man. I mean, I guess you know, that scene would prove otherwise, but um, anyway, I just, yeah. I'm not trying, I guess I am trying to defend Nick, but not in a very vigorous way. I, I think it's just compelling scene because they see yeah. each other. Clearly she sees yeah. that he wants to be with her, no matter what he says, no matter what she's putting through actually the the person he wants to someone who's i mean it's, it, i think do you I think, think she sees that i think so because she even though she is a bit of a i mean she's crazy <laughs> but like margot says at the end because he says margot you're my voice of reason so you've mm. got you've got both kind of let's say the voice of insanity in, mm. in, in mm-hmm. amy yeah saying let's face it you want to be with me you're not going to be satisfied you're not going to be challenged you're not going to be with any, you know, that no one else is going to cut it. And then yeah. you've got Margot, who is in many ways the antidote, the antithesis to, mm-hmm. and she says, "You want to be with her, don't you?" Mm. She sees it. Yeah, and the voice of reason quite literally says, "You want to be with her." Yeah. So you mentioned that that scene with Margot—that's one of probably my in my top two or three scenes. I I mentioned a couple of times how much I like Margot. I just think maybe it's the way the actor portrays her, but and it also may be connected to the fact that. My kids are twins, and I like to think that they have this really tight bond. Um, I mean, you're, I'm Jess, a twin. you're a twin, yeah. so I don't know whether you feel similarly, but 
I just find it really affecting her mm. trauma and anguish. It just resonates with me. Mm. Um, and she just does it so well. The act, it's so well acted, that final yeah. scene. I also wanted to just say something quickly about uh, Nick and um, Nick and Margot. So they're twins. <laughs> I looked at, um, on Wikipedia today. Ben Affleck is nine years older than Carrie Coon. That's, that's a bit awkward, I think. I mean, films play fast and loose with, with ages of characters quite often, you know, like people in their 20s playing high school students and stuff. But mm. especially they play fast and loose with women's ages and women age for, for the film purposes faster than men. Mm. Uh, and I just think that's really unfortunate. I mean, I wouldn't want anyone else to play Margot because I think she's amazing. But at the same time, that's a bit unfortunate. I remember hearing that um, in North by Northwest, the woman that plays Cary Grant's mum was younger than Cary Grant at the time, which yep. is... There are so many Hollywood couples within films where the couple, like, I can't remember, the age difference is just crazy as yeah. well. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not great. I think that's it for the small stuff. We will take a break. Okay, we'll do the categories. I'm, we're going to do the quick hits first, and they really will be quick at this time because there were no backhanded spit wipes. I'm looking at Andy just to make sure he confirms oh, no, that. I, I thought there might have been one or two, but um, no, no, no. Okay, uh, no use of binoculars. Andy's hat. There's not many hats. No, there's one mm -hmm. notable one. Is the baseball cap that Nick puts on in the airport, and yeah. that's it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's, Which that's what I've got written down. It's so effective. Why is it you can put, you can have a suit on, kind of a travel suit, you stick a black hat on, no one knows who you are. <laughs> I, it's the classic disguise, right? Yeah. If you mm. don't want to be noticed or recognised, you put on a baseball cap. Is it a counterpoint now, though? Because I find myself, if I see someone with a slightly, a nicely fitting, because always nicely fitting, slightly look, more expensive looking hats, uh, no. walking around, I kind of... No. I found they, they want to be they want to be anonymous <laughs> i wonder who they are as a celebrity precisely. or a spy yeah, precisely. Yeah. anyway that's and it's a mets cap i just want to say it. yeah, it is so, a mets camp, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay oh and uh bad ways to die there's really only one death in the film yeah i'm not a fan of neck stuff but to be fair he has a bit of fun beforehand doesn't he yeah. <laughs> if you have to if you have to die if you got to go <laughs> then yeah. That's the way. So not even a bad way to die. It's pretty bad though. It's pretty it's grim. It's pretty grim. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean Sorry, Desi. The blood was pumping, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you, I mean it is a it, it is extra dramatic because of that. Do you think that it was kind of partly her plan? Like I don't know. Anyway, I don't I guess talk about it. No, okay, let's not. <laughs> Fine. Well, I was just gonna say, I guess it's easier to kill I probably just because his guard is down. So yes. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I concur. There was a Roger Moore-esque joke I was going yeah. to insert then, but I'm not going to. You could. Go on. No, no, I knew, no. I kind of was, I was, I no. can kind of imagine where the joke was going. Yeah, that's all the, yeah. Moving on. So let is, let's visit Audio Corner. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the sound design in general was actually really beautiful and probably one of my favourite elements. Mm-hmm. Sound, like, effect-wise, it's the glass of wine he pours during the interview and she's so mad about it. <laughs> she's like, what are you doing? Um, and it does kind of make Wait, you Wait, with jump. the interview, which interview? When she's watching the interview with... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. pours his glass of wine and the, they really kind of amped up the sound of the wine being poured <laughs> and she looks at him with these daggers. Um, and then otherwise than that, it was just... I love when she does the diary entries and there's this really kind of ambient, immersive, quite floaty um, music. And then it just is always so nicely paired to what's going on when he when he kisses Andy for the first time. On the very first night that we met, we walked by a bakery that was having their sugar delivered. And it was in the air everywhere. A sugar storm. And before he kissed me, He leaned in and did this. And guess what? What? He did the exact same thing with her. That is the most disgusting thing I ever heard. I love the bit when Greta says that is so dis- that's so disgusting and you're mm-hmm. like yeah it is it is but um it's just like really queasy kind of sounding yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just really nice I think the whole mm-hmm. sound design in general so I wanted to mention some music as well because the um there is like some pounding thumping bass when um Amy has the money stolen mm. and I just loved that uh that kind of it's the music that goes along with the whole my whole plan is completely destroyed. What the hell am I going to do with myself? Mm. Uh, thing. Um, she also says, this is not really audio, but I didn't know where else to put it. <laughs> when uh, they both buy each other the same sheets for, mm-hmm. for their anniversary, she says, we're so cute. I want to punch us in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just like the, maybe I just like the line. I don't know. It's very Amy. It's yeah. very on brand for Amy. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to give my audio corner award though to um, just the cicadas in North Carthage. The 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 noise that cicadas make is so evocative of being in the Midwest at that time of year. Hey, buddy, what are you doing out here? Thanks, Walt! It just, it was one of the first things I noticed when I moved there from the UK. It's such a unique sound and uh, it just sets the scene, for me, perfectly. I've also got some sort of ambient music. I think when Amy's describing the setup of the murder, I think it's quite a slightly menacing audio kind of music that's going on in the background as she's describing well how to stage a convincing murder that's quite nice um i've already mentioned the uh the third of the hammer when she hits her in the face i think that's pretty good i wonder how they made that noise it's usually something like a watermelon or or yeah like a chicken breast or something yeah Um, but my (laughs) you've already mentioned it but the noise i'm gonna i'm gonna um targeting on that one is the golf swing noise Greta makes so they've, <laughs> they've clearly just got a library shot of someone with a driver from a golf course like properly Tiger Woods whacking 
a ball because you can kind of hear the the tea ping as well. Yeah. Um, and they've just put that on her little. I know she does whack it, but it's pretty funny. It's with a putter. Um, you've, yeah, got to, yeah. you've got to connect pretty well with a putter <laughs> to make it make that noise. Sort of swiping it through the yeah. air. It's, it's, it's brilliant. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's the golf swing noise for me. Oh! Can we keep in school? Did you, I, didn't, I realised that you didn't pick a, a winner. Oh, okay. Your... A specific winner. Ooh, yeah. I think it probably would be the sound when Andy and Nick kiss. Because it's so perfect. It's just... It's just perfect. Okay. <laughs> Is it perfect? No. <laughs> did I stutter? <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, right, let's go to best looking scene. Andy. Right, okay, so honourable mention to the mini golf course. I think that's really nice of you. <laughs> there's a lot of mini golf. No, I just think it's quite nice because there's some folks sat on like the veranda in mm-hmm. the background and all that's lit up and there's this kind of less harsh lighting on the golf course. Um, there's also a great shot of the cat quite early on. I think they're coming into the house, or I think Margot's coming into the house. She out the door, and she, she looks down, and the cat's there. And so it's dark, and the cat is sort of gently lit from, I guess, ambient light from the moon or something. And then you've got <laughs> flashlights going off. So it's, probably, it's just this little shot of this cat sat there, like, there's a flashlight. I like that, that's nice. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the best one for me is, is right at the start. When they kiss outside the bakery, and uh, you've got the flour in the in the air as they're unloading the flour and sugar. It's kind of sugar, sugar. whatever mm-hmm. it is, uh, and it's all kind of ethereal, kind of lighting. And uh, no, there you go. So yeah, sugar. So can I can I just like drill down a little bit? Is there a particular moment in that that it, you particularly like? Is it the shot of like them kissing, or is it the wide shot of all of the sugar in the air? It's or? always the wide shots for me. Yeah. So. Oh. There's a slightly creepy bit when he kind of wipes it off her face. I feel like, yeah, I'm going to have to... Well, it's it's a contender between the sugar storm. It is just beautiful, isn't mm-hmm. it? And it's interesting how the, the equivalent of Andy and uh, Nick kissing is because you've got the snow coming down. Yeah. So it's similar in some ways, but it's not quite as beautiful, not quite as perfect. No, it, Even it doesn't work. Even though I just work. called it perfect twice. Yeah. But... <laughs> but it doesn't work, what does it? Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't brush snow off someone's face because brush doesn't, snow doesn't do that. So, it, yeah, so actually there are strong points for that, but a bit that I think, if you're, like, it's not beautiful, but the bit where she does slit his throat and you've got all the white and she's mm-hmm. wearing this white lingerie and the mm-hmm. white, um, the bedding, yeah, and then just the one. amount of blood. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Just the contrast is just actually such a striking image. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Best looking scene. Make a lovely poster, wouldn't it? I, yeah, yeah, 100%. I want it in, if someone walks into my house, the first thing that they see. Yeah. This. We're learning quite a lot about you, Jess. <laughs> so I've got a few nominees as well. Um, yeah, I'm going to mention the, the sugar storm, but I agree the... For me, it's the first shot we see with the guys in the bakery and then they're walking down mm. towards the camera and the, the sugar's all lit. And I think that looks amazing. The The shower scene is mm. looks incredible. I mean, you know, they're, they're both pretty attractive human beings in the shower. She's got the blood all over her and it's an amazing shower. It's an enormous shower. Mm. And, and just it's, it looks incredible. The lighting is good as well, and the color, every all the gray of the tiles and things yeah. looks great. Uh, but I'm going to give it to it's cat themed. I'm going to give it to the scene. I think it's the first morning after she's back. 
So it's the day after the shower scene and, you know, she gets tucked into bed or whatever. And then he comes down and she's like cooking. And what does she say? Like, hello, handsome or, mm. or something like that. But anyway, the first shot we see is her in the kitchen cooking. And then the cat is sitting on the, mm-hmm. like the kitchen yep. island or something facing him, I think. And it's like, wow, look at this perfect domestic scene of a wife cooking breakfast mm. and your cat waiting for you as you come down the, and it just looks brilliant and it's the cat the cat wins it for me so that's my pick for best looking scene mm. the monsieur mendel award for our favorite incidental character can i go next because it's quite a good yeah uh, please do. my 100% and i've been biting my tongue or afraid my, yeah. the cat the cat is my favorite <laughs> incidental character and i've been waiting to say this and not bring up the cat and every time you guys have mentioned the cat i've been like yes the cat <laughs> It comes up so much that Rhonda says, oh, you know, he asked me to feed the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a separate room. There's so many bits when, like, when you're saying about Margot, mm-hmm. when Nick just picks him up and brings him into the scene. Mm-hmm. And and they never really, not that, you know, not that you need to explain the, a cat, but it's just, I've never known a film where, I, except for maybe Alien. Is it Alien? Alien yeah, 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 yeah. Never known a, a film where the cat has actually such a notable... Yeah. <laughs> Do we know the cat's name? I don't think it ever gets mentioned shame oh, it is a shame i think and it, is he the uh epitome of an incidental character the cat because he didn't have to be there for any of those scenes but he makes the film richer for being yeah. there. yeah yeah it's yeah it's and i great. can always imagine like asking the director like why and the director's like, mm, i don't know why not <laughs> quite like cats well he's they are all nice to the cat yes I mentioned like the big fight that uh, Nick and Margot have, and Margot pets the cat just before she leaves. Yeah, and yeah, so the cat is the the true innocent in all of this. <laughs> um, mine is um, pregnant idiot Noel. <laughs> she's. I think they perhaps amp up her idiocy a little too much because she's really like annoying. The time when she's just knocking on the door, ranting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ronda's like, just remind her this is a crime scene. Yeah, she's like, open the door, open the door. Like, she's the most important thing in this entire thing. But um, yeah, she's a, she's my favourite. Mm-hmm. She's just silly. But uh, there we are. So I, I struggled a little bit to really kind of get get my own um, definition of incidental in this because, as is the way of this film, I think. If, if you're in this film, you're in it for a reason. Well, you went to the closing credits. Okay, all right, good. Uh, but but you see what I mean, though? Like, yeah, yeah. For example, I'm going to give it to this person, but he's not incidental. He's quite important. I'm going to give it to Tommy O'Hara. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, like I told you, I love that scene in the first place. Um, and I'm I'm going to undermine the whole point of incidental character with my with my reason for why I'm picking him. He's so important in this film. Without his testimony to corroborate Nick's craziness, crazy story rather, about Amy's craziness. Um, we're still not really sure, but mm. he is like the, yeah, I said it earlier, the heart of the film, but I'm, I'm, I'm defending it because he's not in it very much. He's in it for one scene. It's pretty short. Uh, and so I'm going to say he's incidental, even though he isn't. Um, I also want to, I, I would definitely mention the cat. Yeah, of course. Uh, I want. I want to mention Watchful Wally, the guy that lives opposite them. That he seems was to be. A contender. Seems, yeah. He seems to be always on his porch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Walt. Um, and 
So I don't know if he has a name. He might in the credits. I haven't looked. But the the second deputy. So we've got Rhonda's main deputy that doesn't really like Nick very much. But there's one scene when they're at the house and there's like a second deputy that's like she asks him how big is that TV mm-hmm. um, and a couple of other things. Oh, yeah. And he said something about how the thing they found was in her unmentionables. <laughs> I think clue, the second clue or the first clue. I don't I can't remember exactly what it was. But um, I thought he was, I mean, he's probably the most incidental because he's just like police guy number two. <laughs> What's the best location? I do like the mini golf course. Good. But. Shout uh, three for uh, mini golf. I, I don't know. So it really I, resonated I, with you, that <laughs> golf course. <laughs> <That's not seen>. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm going with uh, Desi's Lake House. Yeah. I think well, it's... it has Netflix. And the floor, the has, floor heating. has heating. Yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? We don't, really, we don't really see enough of the lake house, do we? Like, I'd no, like to. They, they, they show you a little bit on the, the outside. Gym, for example. So there's that kind of veranda that I assume overlooks the lake. I'd like to see it from the outside, but it's a spectacular place to uh, to hang out. Yeah. Um, I suppose the reason we don't see more of it is that she has to feel trapped there, right? Yeah. It can't be airy, yeah. really, yeah. in that sense, can it? Yeah, so, uh, and obviously a uh, pretty iconic scene happens there, so um, yeah. that's my favourite. And it's got Netflix. Any nominations? Uh, the, well, the mini golf course. Okay, oh yeah, sorry, of course. And, and the bar, I like the bar. but yeah. So the bar gets a few kind of comments, doesn't it? Like, mm. oh, very meta and that kind of stuff. I think yeah. it's a really good name for a bar. Yeah. I think so. Like, where are you going to go? I'm going to go to the bar. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, there is only one place. There probably is one bar in that town, probably. Very possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the name is not just a, a lazy um, location. I'm going to say either, yeah, either Desi's Lake, Lake House. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it's a weird. I think that's my nomination. But the the winner is when at the first party when they're going down in that lift. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, they're like a warehouse lift. Yeah, because they the reason I kind of love it is that you've got this party in the house, and then you've got the lift is what takes them to the street with the sugar. And they don't really feel like that lift would belong in that house, in that flat. But it does tell a perfect story of kind of, like, meet at a party. It's quite a fun, kind of good energy in the party. You go through this cool kind of warehouse vibe, and then there's a beautiful sugar storm outside. So mm. it just tells the story well. So. I approve. Mm. Very good. I, had, I have a few nominations. I did nominate... Desi's house, the lake house, of course. The bookstore, where they have their second anniversary. Mm, with the secret room that no one knows about. Well, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't really a room. It was just between bookcases. Um, yeah. It's the most ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it looks cool, though. Yeah. It's a pretty cool bookstore. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's included with the books. <laughs> uh, and the... Uh, there is one shot when they go to St. Louis for the uh, interview. There's one shot of the St. Louis Arch with the, the courthouse underneath it. Having been there multiple times, the St. Louis Arch is as incredible as it looks. In fact, actually, I think it's better in person than it looks on TV. And so, but I'm going to give the win to the, the shower. I think the shower is just awesome. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. What souvenir would you take? from this film prop or item or something from the film what would you what would you go with so 
I was slightly torn, so I'm going to mention the hammer again. I'll take I would take the hammer. <laughs> the sounds the ball peen hammer would be quite useful. Mm-hmm. But I, I quite like the hammer. It'd be funny to have on the wall in a case, mm-hmm. or just in your toolbox. Yeah. Um, I do like Margot's protect your nuts T-shirt she wears at the start. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think I've paid I any attention to that. Would like that um, <laughs> frame. I think that would be funny. Yeah. Um, what can you describe it to us? I don't know what it looks like. You got to pause it, and it kind okay. of—I mean, I had to look quite hard to see what it said, but it was quite. It was like Is it a like comical, a squirrel or something? Well, yeah, it's like a comical thing, like someone, like a little cartoon character of an animal, I think, running away with a nut from a bowl. Okay. okay. Um, protect your nuts, like it. It's good. It's a great t-shirt. It's uh, a good t-shirt. Um, so I'm tossed up between that and my other nomination. Oh, I've got another nomination of. Um, the gummy bears. Oh, I yeah. like gummy bears. I would yeah. take gummy. I'd probably just eat them though. So yeah, you'd have to be careful when you like the Tanner's put them in gummy a... bears. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I might go for the Rolling Rock illuminated beer sign in the bar at the start. Yes, there's a nice beer sign, but it's probably quite generic actually. So, but you'd have the one from the film. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. So... It's a nice light. It looks good. Yeah. So. That'd be yeah. a great. I'll great take the, I'll take the beer sign, and then if not someone else had that, I'd have the protecting nuts t-shirt. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, so it is. I mean, I'm really tempted to say the Robo Dog because mm-hmm. I just love this idea of of Nick just sat with his card, or Amy being like, "What's cool stuff number fifty <laughs> you know, like... two? They pay, they they give quite a lot of attention to the robot dog. The, yeah. I'm not really sure why. It's yeah. just really stupid. I think it's because it is just so it's expensive and no one in this world needs a robo dog. Frivolous. Frivolous. Frivolous mm-hmm. is the perfect word. Mm-hmm. So it's got a real cat. Why does he need a robo dog? <laughs> it's a real cat who he adores. So yeah, yeah, if I can't take robo dog, all the cat actually. Um, mine is the pink fluffy pen because I love mm-hmm. her just destroying <laughs> absolute. Just the most menacing behaviour with writing this. She's got beautiful handwriting as well. Beautiful handwriting. Uh, You know, and she's just destroying this guy's life with this pink fluffy pen. Mm -hmm. Um, Good move. Yeah. I really struggle with this category. Um, Have the hammer. (laughs) You've already got those. Yeah, my dad's got some. I'm good. Um, So I was going with the, the pens. Mm. So you've gone for the pink fluffy. Okay, yeah. I mean, we can we can pick the same thing, all right? But, Ooh, but... can we? Because I kind of want the pink fluffy okay. pen. So. <laughs> but I want the one, and I don't know what it is, but it's got like an outline of something, and I couldn't tell whether it's an outline of a flamingo or if it's like the outline of the Monaco Grand Prix circuit. I you honestly could... couldn't tell what it was. It reminds me of that circuit art you can get that you can put on your wall. It looks like a track, doesn't it? But yeah. it's, it's bad not to be. I mean, yeah. it's nonsense. But, that one. It's just a pen with like a, a, a sort of a 3D outline of something at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, so well, I think they're quite good choices considering we work together. We can both have the coolest pens in the studio. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And we would use them? We wouldn't keep them as like trophies? Maybe if I was kind of writing a... Really, Death note to someone. Yeah, like a really super passive aggressive post-it note. Okay. Yeah. Then maybe to me, then. presumably, on the desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, the Call Me Bronco Coolest Look Award. Do you know, I was quite tempted Amy's kind of outfits in Desi's house after she's got changed like mm-hmm. into that white dress because she just looks so slick. and That white cool. outfit she wears. Is, yeah, she looks amazing. Great. She looks great. Um, but I'm going to go... I don't actually like the outfit, but I think it just works so well for the character, is Amy's mum 
when they're doing the search and she's wearing these sunglasses and these pearls and these boots and this beige outfit and you just think ugh like, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm happy for you to go for that yeah but I, I just do need to say the name of this category is the coolest Corby Bronco coolest okay. look what, but it's fine you you go you well do I would you. say that let me split so the, the best outfit for character kind of choice for you mm-hmm. know it matches the character so well Mary Beth mm-hmm. coolest outfit Amy in the house in her white dress mm-hmm. okay final answer mm-hmm. got it good it's difficult to not say anything Amy wears. She looks pretty incredible in almost <laughs> mm, everything. Yeah. But particularly, I think my my act, I'm going to pick uh, at the start Amy at the start when we first see her in the party. She just looks incredible, and she's wearing that blue stripy top, and then she puts a really chic coat on over the top when they leave. Yeah. Very nicely done. Honorable mention to uh, Nick's and Lewis Cardinals T-shirt. I think that's pretty good. One of the only times you see him not wearing a blue shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think. Yeah. Um, it is. But yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Amy's start-off outfit, I think. Yeah. It's exceptional. So anything Tanner Bolt wears, for me, is pretty cool. Again, you're right. Anything Amy wears, mostly apart from the stuff at the Ozarks. Um, and, and the blood. And, it's not good look. But her murder outfit... Yeah. I don't know if that's what you meant by white Kind dress. of. I guess it's the collab... The both, yeah. Yeah, so... so the the whatever it is she's wearing the slinky white yeah. murder dress it's great I I really like yeah. murder dress yeah like one of those murder dresses <laughs> uh, but I am going to give it to uh, Nick's St Louis Cardinals t-shirt yeah. I mean it's a good t-shirt Ben Affleck's quite he's quite a buff guy mm-hmm. so but it just it was a, a refreshing change like you mentioned his normal wear and then when I saw him in that I'm like oh okay it is funny he, that they decide because he's in this shirt so much that you start noticing it and then mm. he just has a sudden t-shirt yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, he he looks good in it and it's a cool t-shirt it's like it, it's not a typical necessarily like Cardinals t-shirt I would say it just looks good so um, yeah that's my pick I would have to go back to your murder dress because I love this idea of being like are you going to wear a nice top and jeans or are you going to wear your murder dress mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It depends what we're going to be up to. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of murdering. We will finish, as we always do, with uh, closing credit. Yeah, so you mentioned earlier that there's not many, there's not much wheat. Mm -hmm. Um, No, chaff. Chaff. There's not much chaff to the wheat of the the, the main cast. But there's there's loads of people um, credited for this film. And I was confused. I didn't. Really, I mean, I suppose there's a load of extras in the the search and uh, and the, the the kind of the event they hold, the vigil. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one guy, <laughs> Mr. Darren Cooper, who is simply moustached man. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've oh, said this I before. I can always count on you to I'm, find. I, I've said this before. Good. Say it again. Can you imagine being a character whose only distinguishing feature? Is that he has a moustache? That's the only thing he does. Who's that guy over there? That's moustached man. Yeah. <laughs> he's in, he's not he's an important enough extra to be billed. Yeah, because there there is an, a whole bunch of uncredited. I do myself with the little rule I have is I never pick uncredited. But if you were to look on IMDb, you will see a whole bunch of uncredited people with better names than a moustached man. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's not like he's a big deal. Mm. I had a look at some of his other stuff. Um, his other credits include Creepy Diner Guy Yes mm-hmm. This is a whole kind of world that I had not mm-hmm. explored yeah. But I really Welcome wish to I... closing credit Yeah, this is amazing Older Man 
<laughs> Not old man. Older man. What? And my favourite, sketchy man. Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> Maybe that's how you progress from, like, yeah. you don't look after the moustache for a while and you become sketchy man. I would like to know whether sketchy man is because he's slightly, you know, a bit dodgy. So he's sketchy, or is it because is he, is he an he's badly drawn? Oh, he's an artist. He's sketchy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So a creepy diner guy, older man, and sketchy man, and in uh, Gone Girl, Darren Cooper is moustached man. Fabulous. Well done. All right, I think that will probably do it for this episode. Um, Jess, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. That was fun. It was lots of fun. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks from me. Thanks for listening. Next time, uh, we will probably be doing Ocean's Eleven. I think we'll have Chris back on the pod with us. And so we're looking forward to a bit of Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven. Uh, Maybe give it a watch if you want to join along. But don't forget the small stuff.